All right, welcome to the War Room, episode two. We are live here with our team today, and our topic is going to be opportunity. We're going to talk a lot about about opportunity and jobs. One of the things that I want to make sure is clear to people is, you know, I believe in my heart that all work is honorable, and I believe that we need to make sure that we are creating income in our lives and that we're doing things in a positive way. And I mean, for me, we always talk a little bit, and I, and I mentioned in the past about how when I was an example of this is when I was, I think, I don't remember, I was 16, something like that. And I was working for a roofing company up in Athabasca where I grew up and our scaffolding broke and we all fell down and we basically I remember tacking on the tar paper. I remember waking up in the hospital. So knocked my ass right out. And thankfully it did because what happened was there was actually one of the coworkers uh, one guy broke both of his legs and, and one of my other co-workers, he actually was hanging from the eaves trough and he uh, hung there for as long as he possibly could before he had to let go and he fell about 30 feet and, and broke a bunch of bones and stuff. So I was actually blessed to be knocked out for that one. But one of the things that happened, I woke up in the hospital, my boss was amazing with everything and he gave me these workers' compensation papers. And I remember signing these things, I didn't even really know what workers' compensation was at the time and... I remember, you know, they're talking about how I'm still going to get paid. And in my head, I couldn't comprehend how I was going to still get paid, but not have to work. And, and I remember getting that first worker's compensation check. And it was pretty much, I mean, they pay like 90%, right? So it was pretty much the same paycheck that, that I was getting at work. And what I remember was staring at this thing and, and I felt guilty. I felt really extremely guilty cashing this check. And, and one of the things that was kind of really hit me was... Why do I feel guilty? So it's almost it's like free money, right? And a lot of people have this mentality and this like free money mentality and going on unemployment insurance and disability and all these different things. And I remember my mom grew up her whole life with cerebral palsy and she really got kind of shafted when it came to disability. And I mean, she made like even today, I think she makes like six hundred bucks a month. And I see people making like three, four thousand that aren't nearly as is in need of it as she is. And so I remember getting this check and thinking, man, like I, I don't need this. Like I can, I can still work. And I had a broken wrist and my wrist is in a cast. And I remember I cashed that check because I had to. And I remember like literally had this pit in my stomach feeling guilty about it. So I remember going and thinking like, you know, there's no way I'm going to do this again. I'm not taking another one. I, I literally called workers compensation and said, look, I mean, can I work? And they said, well, of course you can, if you can find something by all means. I said, okay, well, I'm gonna go find a job. So I went around and I started applying for jobs and I started applying in a, in a bunch of different places. And it was crazy because, I mean, of course, here's this young 16 year old kid who does not have a very good reputation in town walking around with a cast on applying for jobs. And well, people see A, me, B, a cast. And they're, I mean, no one's gonna hire a kid with a broken arm, right? So I'm striking out everywhere. And I'm applying everywhere, man. I'm like, I'll, I'll sweep floors, I'll clean toilets, I'll pump gas, like I'll do anything. It doesn't matter. And so it was, it was funny because I was running out of options and I got to go into the newspaper and there was an ad for a dishwasher at the, at the university. And I went to, I went up there and I applied and the, the gentleman I applied, his name was Al. And I ended up working with this man for a good chunk of my life. And I, and I spent most of, or a good portion of my life in the restaurant industry. And, and I, and I owe all of it to um, to Al and he was a, a huge mentor and influence and we fought like a father and a son would fight but you know he was a, a, a powerful influence on me and I remember I went up and I applied for the job now now again I'm in a plaster cast and I'm applying for a job as a dishwasher and I remember him just looking at me and giving me the stupidest look like you had ever seen in your life and he's like you want to wash dishes and I'm like yeah he's like you have a cast on 
I'm like, I don't care. I'll, I'll bag it up, whatever I need to do. And I think Al hired me just to kind of laugh at me to see how the hell I was going to do this. And so he hires me and I wrapped his garbage. I wrapped my arm in his garbage bag and I duct taped this thing up and I'm sitting there, the one handed dishwasher with a broken arm and a cast. And, and I, I washed those dishes harder and better <laughs> probably than I ever did just to prove the point that, that I could do this and, and everything. And so Al hired me and it turned into a, a pretty long relationship off and on throughout the next little bit. And I ended up in the restaurant industry for quite a few years and I enjoyed it and even ended up owning my own restaurant at one point and stuff. So the point I'm making though is, so to me, all work is honorable. There's a lot of people out there and this one's going to sting, but there's a lot of people out there who are taking advantage of the system. And there are also a lot of people out there who desperately need this money. And sometimes it feels like the people who need it aren't getting it as much. And the people who definitely maybe don't need it as much are getting more of it. So for me, it's just my opinion, my values that, you know what, if, if there's a job to be able to do, I'd rather go do that work, even if it's for less money. If I could make more money on unemployment insurance or less money working, for me, I would still want to go and work and, and feel like I'm contributing to this and stuff like that. So I want people to understand that I believe that all work is honorable and I believe that all people you know should work to some capacity if you're able to. So my old man was a, he pumped gas for a living for, for most of his life. He was a custodian at the high school. And so his two jobs were gas station attendant and janitor. So again, and I watched this guy work hard every single day and battle. And I mean, he was kind of the example of hard work to me growing up and did the best he did. He wasn't an educated man. He didn't have a, a lot of opportunity presented to him. He knew go to work every day and do the best he can. And he would get up at 4, 4.30 in the morning. He would run around, and do the chores, and he would rip to work at 6.00. And he'd work from 6 to 2 at the gas station or 2.30. And then at 3 o'clock, he'd be up at the school. He'd work 3 to 11 at the high school, mopping floors and cleaning toilets. And then he would come home. We lived about 45 minutes from, from town. So he has that drive, do a lap around the farm. He'd go to bed at 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning and get back up at 4, 4.30 and do it again. And he did this every single day. And in, in 40, 50 years of working, he never even missed a day of work in his life. So my example of, of hard work came from, from him. And what I really wanted to, to kind of explore was I seen how hard he works and I seen that example, but I watched a man work his ass off every single day to the point of almost death. And it's a blessing he's still with us today because again, that would kill most people working like that. And, and he worked hard. He wasn't the employee that came and said, I mean, he was always on the go. He didn't take much for breaks. Like He'd eat and get back after it, and then he was a go-getter. So I learned that, but I also learned that, man, this can't be the way you do this, right? Like it can't be you you work your ass off every single day and you and you have have nothing. I mean, the, the old man didn't have a pot to piss in. He did the best he could with what he had. He inherited a lot of debt when his father died when he was young. He got the farm. The farm was in debt and never came out of it. So, but I'm, I remember thinking, like, man, this can't be life. Can it? I mean, you, you're gonna you know, you gotta work two jobs, work your ass off for nothing, and and not get ahead and I was a very out of touch out in the farm and we weren't connected to the world very much. We grew up literally in the bush. And so when I talk about jobs and the reason I'm setting this up is because I, I, I often sound like I'm shitting on jobs and, and I want you to know everybody who has a job, I mean, good on you. It's honorable. You're doing the best you can. I love you for it. What I want to go to though is guys, is there's a better, easier way. Okay. And that's what I discovered. And that's what I spent a lot of time trying to understand. So to get into this, where this goes is I want to talk about our programming a little bit. And I go over this a lot with our team and it, you know, it's a good thing to hear again. We talked a little bit about how we are exactly where we are in our life because of us and the things that we've done. And what has gotten us to where our point is, you, you got to remember, understand in the last episode, I gave a quote on this, but you're a product of your environment. And if you want a better 
product, you need a better environment. And, and you kind of hear this all the time that we're the, we're the same as the five people that we hang around with. You hang out with five millionaires, you're going to become the sixth. The point of it is, is you, you kind of embody the people you hang around with and the influences you have in your life. So what I kind of really started to look at was where does this come from? And one of the things that happens all the time, and when you're looking for an opportunity, and you're looking to get ahead, we all have naysayers in our lives and we have those people and every single person listening to this right now has a person and some of us have more than one person who's that like negative Nancy who is just, it's a constant, everything is just bad. And, and they say things to you when you try to get into, into an opportunity to get ahead. And whether that's in rainbow, like we're in or, or any kind of an opportunity, you notice when you try to get ahead and you try to do something different, I mean, what do people say to you? They say things like, well, that's not going to work. You know, go get a real job. And the go get a real job thing is something that hits. And, and, and this is where I want to kind of put this into a perspective. I mean, first of all, as Eric Thomas says, I mean, don't take constructive criticism from somebody who's never constructed shit. That's important and hear that. If you had an opportunity to be a world-renowned chef and you had an opportunity to go work with Gordon Ramsay, for example, or your Aunt Tilly down the corner who makes a mean apple pie, I mean, who are you going to listen to? If you have an opportunity to learn from these two individuals, who are you going to learn from? Who are you going to listen to? Well, of course, if you had the opportunity to work with Gordon Ramsay and you want what Gordon Ramsay offers or insert your favorite chef here, it doesn't have to be Gord, but you know what I'm saying? It's like, so you're going to go to the person that has the experience you need. Now, you might want to get Aunt Tilly's pie recipe, but at the end of the day is Aunt Tilly's skills have got her to where she is. Aunt Tilly doesn't know shit about building a business, about you know, opening you know, a huge restaurants and all these things, right? She just makes a good apple pie. But if you now have the opportunity to go work with Gordon Ramsay and you want to chase those dreams, but Aunt Tilly says, you know, no, don't do that. He's an asshole, blah, blah, blah. You know, I, you know come learn from me. I, got, I can make you a mean apple pie. I'll make you rich. I mean, it doesn't make sense that we would say, no, thank you, Gord. I'm going to go work with Aunt Tilly. But in business, we do that, right? When it comes to an opportunity, we do that, don't we? We take somebody in our lives who doesn't have shit, doesn't have a pot to piss, and they're negative. We don't want to be them. We don't want to be like them, but we allow them to influence our life. So you have an opportunity to go learn from somebody who's successful, who's a self-made, who's a millionaire, who has lots of things, who travels the world. And somebody who doesn't have anything, who's important to us, will tell us, no, don't do that. That's not for you. It's not for people like us. And these types of things. And we'll listen to that person's influence. So it's very important to make sure we understand is don't take constructive criticism from somebody who hasn't constructed shit. It's important to understand that. So when you look at someone, and, and this is something that I always tell people, and this is something that I take to heart, is when I look at someone, I'm not going to take advice from somebody who, who doesn't have what I want. I see people in business all the time. They're arrogant. They got egos. They're, I mean, they're, they're faking it. They're fake it till they make it type people. And, and it's like, I don't want anything they stand for. So when they give me advice, I give that. I, you know, I, might, I might not be an asshole about it. I might smile and okay, yeah, thank you. But at the end of the day, guys, I'm like, like I'm not really going to be taking what this person says to heart. So that person's programming has gotten them to where they are today. And this is what I really want to kind of focus on and hit on and understand the fact that if you're at a spot in your life where you want more, you want better, obviously, if you're listening to this, you probably are searching for something. We're always out there trying, you know, looking at the self-help stuff or motivational stuff or inspirational stuff. We're looking for something and we're looking for something else. So if you're the kind of person that's searching for something else and looking for a different way, I want you to understand that it's, it's not necessarily your fault that you got to where you are today. Um, because again, you're a product of your environment, okay? And, and you think about what were your influences in life? When, when we get to any part of our life, 
we're a result of what our influences were. So I want you to think about who programmed you. Who programmed you for relationships? Well, our parents a lot of times programmed us for relationships, okay? So there's a lot of times, I mean, you hear these things that like abusive people come from abusive places. Hurt people hurt people. And, and it, we kind of embody these things that, that we've been programmed to see. If we grew up in an abusive situation, there's a chance we go two ways. We either bottle it all up and we just cave or we end up being abusive as well. And again, it's like, don't beat the crap out of people for no reason. But it's like this person's programming when they were very young has, has brought them to this thing. So who programmed you for relationships? Who programmed you for finances? My programming for finance, I mean, there was no programming for finances. It was like you go to work hard every day for nothing. And, and that was my programming. I didn't know, I mean, business and these things didn't happen to people like me. I was, I was in that spot. So who programmed you for relationships? Who programmed you for business? Who programmed you for, for your work ethics? There's a lot of times, I mean, if our parents were kind of like to sit on the couch and lazy type people, a lot of times we embody that. A lot of times people who come from successful places, their children end up being successful as well because of, of that kind of general programming. So the thing we have to understand is when you look at when are we the most susceptible to learning? And we learn the most when something's new to us. Okay, so you go and get a brand new job or you learn a new task and you don't know anything about it. But as you start learning this and you're interested in it, you start absorbing so much shit, right? It's all it's all piling in on you. So that's when you're most susceptible to learning. And then after you kind of start to get the hang of things, that part of our brain just kind of shuts off to that. Right. And we just start kind of going through the motions and the flow of it. And we kind of stop really opening ourselves up to learn. We might even take on some ego figure. We know it all. We got it all. Whatever. Cool. And then we, we just go on with life. When we learn the most, guys, is we learn the most when we're younger, when we're kids. One of the most powerful things I heard, kind of a Les Brown thing that I heard years ago, and Les had basically said that we were only born with two natural fears. And that's the fear of falling and the fear of a loud noise. Those are the only two natural fears you have. Every other fear is taught to you. So if it's taught to you, can it be taught out of you? Okay, now think about that. Okay. You know, when you think about going back, you know, think about if you have a, a baby or think back to when your kids were younger or when you were younger. I mean, what other fear were you born with? You, you kind of hold a baby up and you kind of give them that little drop thing and they go, you know, they, they flinch. Okay. And if you walk up behind a baby and give them one of those, they're going to jump. They have no other fear. Now there's some good fears that we have to teach people, right? You remember our kids and, and when they, they're going up to the stove and the pot of hot water's on there and they're grabbing for things. I mean, they have no idea what hot and cold is. They have no idea that this is bad or whatever. They, they, they have no clue. They just, they're just running around grabbing things because they're not born with that natural ability to know that that pot of boiling water is hot. So we have to teach them those fears. We have to program them in the right way. So some fears are good. We definitely have fear inside of us to protect us, but we're only born with two. So now when you look at all the other things that we fear in life or that we're scared of, it really starts to get to a point where you almost start to worry a little bit because it's like, where did all this come from then? Why am I scared of everything? Why am I worried about this? So, I mean, people are scared of failure. People are scared of success. There's all kinds of things that we're scared of, but we have to understand where this comes from. So going back to the programming thing, is the, the most susceptible we are to learning is when we are young. And I mean, anybody who's got kids knows that when you're running, those kids are running around, I mean, they're learning every second of the day. I mean, they're absorbing things, they're hearing things, they're they're taking things in and, and, and we're learning like crazy. So what's important to understand is, is what are the influences that are coming into our lives at that age? What are we teaching our, our, our kids? So... One of the things I want to focus on, and we can talk about this for weeks, um, but one of the things I really want to focus on today that it was it's a huge 
impactful thing, and it was a huge impactful thing to me, is when you basically look at our schooling system. Now, getting me going on the schooling system is uh, is another topic as well. But the thing I want you to understand, you know, we hear people all the time and they say things like, I bet you every one of you at some point has said this. Okay, now I have a grade eight education. I dropped out in, in grade eight. I couldn't do it anymore because I knew that school was absolutely teaching me nothing that I needed, like absolutely nothing that I needed. So the, the problem was I was going through the motions in school and, and just I wasn't learning my personality. You know, we'll teach you this one day. Our people know, you know, our, our destiny global kind of training on personalities and gems and You'll hear a lot of like ruby, sapphire, emerald, pearl, and we'll go over that one day for sure. But um, for, for me, it's a, a sapphire type of a situation uh, where the people nowadays that get labeled with ADHD and ADD and all these stupid things like that. My people laugh at me all the time because when I was doing warms for two years, I do them on my phone and I'm walking around constantly. I'm making people dizzy. I have to almost strap myself in this chair to stay here because I just want to move around. I can't sit still. So when you put me in a situation where I'm not learning something and ask me to sit there, it is not going to happen. And guess what? I don't have ADHD. I don't have ADD. I don't have any of those things. Okay. So we basically, when we go early on through school and we start kind of going through these motions, we start learning at that high level. So when you when you talk about schools, and I'm sorry, what I was going to go back to is the, the point that some people say all the time is they say things, well, how come in school they don't teach you about life? How come they don't teach you how to pay bills? How come they don't teach you how to do this and teach you how to do that? Does that sound familiar? You guys have all said that at some point, basically, like how come in high school they don't teach you how to pay your bills? They don't teach you how to do business. They don't teach you these things. And there's a, there's a very good answer to it, and I have the answer to that is they don't want to, and they're not supposed to. See, the thing is, we can't program everybody to be rich. The society that we created, this 98% you know, versus 2% mentality, and maybe you've heard that before. We have a quote I put up, in it, and it basically says that 98% of people who gave up on their dreams are employed by the 2% who never quit. And two, you know, 2% of the population is going to be doing well off and, and, and living a great life. And 98% of the population are, are dead or dead broke by the age of 65. So the problem is the 2% control the 98%, but the 98% actually believe they're doing it the right way. So what happens in our programming is when you, when you look, so the reason that they don't teach you how to be successful is because we can't all be successful. Imagine the world where everyone's a millionaire. Who the hell's making your coffee at Starbucks? You're going through a drive-through. Who's making your food, man? Who's creating? Who's working in factories? Who's building cars? Who's building, you know, industry? Who's who's building houses? Who's if we're all rich, this doesn't work. You have to understand that if we are all successful, the world doesn't function. Does that make sense? That's got to make sense to you. So. 2% of the population goes, man, I need someone to make my coffee. I need someone to build me my nice, big, jacked up, beautiful Ford truck and my Bronco. I mean, what would I do if no one would be able to build me those things? You know, I need someone to build my house. I need someone to make a boat so I can go fishing. I need, you know, so 2% of the people say, man, like we need, we need people to do this shit for us. So let's not only create this system, but let's convince them that they're doing it the right way. Because shit, man, if they caught on, if they catch on, Eric, to the fact that we're doing this the right way, and if they want to do it our way, then all of a sudden there's no one there to do this for us anymore. So we can't let them catch on to that. So we got to make them think like they're doing it the right way. 
So we create this society and, and what happens, and now we're saying, okay, so how do we get people? Like when you think about it, okay? So if me and Eric are two percenters and we're early on in this and we're, you know, we're going to be tasked with, with building society. And, and the conversation might go like, how the hell, Eric, are we going to get all these people over here to, I mean, do what we want them to do? There, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Some of these guys are old now. If I want them to give up their mansion and their house and their, all the thing they have and go back, I mean, they're not going to want to do this. So we got to start them off young, right? Let's start them off when they're chilled, when they're babies. I want to give you guys the best example I have of this 98% mentality programming. Now, it's school. Now, I want you to think of our school system. So again, we just talked about the reason they don't want you, they don't teach you how to succeed is because they don't want you to. They can't have you succeed. So they teach you how to get stuck. I want to make one more comment on that before we go on. Okay, I want to ask you guys a question. What is the fundamental difference between your high school and a college? Now, I want you to think about that. High school, there's big high schools, man. Our, our old high school in Athabasca was huge. Small little town, big-ass high school. You go to some of these cities, there's big schools. So we have huge high schools and we have huge colleges. Now, if we took a high school that was the same size as a, as a college and we compared these two things, it would cost the same amount to build. If the land was right across, say we had a high school on one side of the street and a, and a college on the other side of the street, they cost the same amount to build. They're in the same town. Everything's the same. So it's not that the college costs more to build. Now, my ex-father-in-law was a college professor. He didn't make much more than a high school teacher. They, they make the same wages. The staff makes the same wages. The cafeteria staff makes the same wages. Everybody makes the same wages. So if it's not that we have to pay the teachers more or have more people, if there's the same amount of students in each, I mean, that doesn't change either. Now, most of them get their textbooks. The same manufacturers manufacture all the textbooks. So we all got the same shit, the same books, different, you know, different, different information in the books, but... A book's a book, right? If you wanted to make a thousand page book with a hard cover, I mean, what's on the pages doesn't make the difference. The book's going to cost the same amount if you had two different books. So what is then the difference of why your parents pay 50, 80, 100 bucks a year to send you to high school, but why do we have to spend 30,000 to send you to college? What's the reason? 30,000 is low. Right. And that's low. So, so what's the reason for that? Why? Like it doesn't make any sense, right? So, so why does college cost me so much more than high school when it doesn't cost anybody else anymore? So think about that. Why the hell do we get through high school, basically through elementary school, preschool, high school, whatever the hell you want to, basically for free, but then when we want to take further education, we have to spend 30, 50, 70, 100, 150, $250,000 on our education to learn from someone who doesn't make any more than your high school teacher did. It doesn't make a lot of sense. So when you look at it, the reason why is because they have to put you into debt. You have to go into debt. Because when me and Eric are scheming our plan years ago, if we put people in debt, then we have control of them. But if they're not in debt... How the hell are you going to work? We need people to work for us, Eric. And if they don't have to pay bills and they're not in debt, they got nothing to work for. They don't have to work. So we got to make sure we, we smear them and smother them into debt. So we're going to do that. We're going to make them think that college costs $250,000 a year per student or $150,000 a year, $50,000 a year per student. We're going to make them assume that with zero information. So then we're going to, you know, basically give them further education. 
we still got to make sure we're not going to teach them about paying bills and life and stuff like that. We're going to teach them their tasks. We're going to put them to debt and make sure when they still come out in the world, they don't have a clue what the hell they're doing in the real world. Okay, we got to make sure of that. But before we get to college, here's the thing we have to do is we have to program these people, these 98 percenters, to do the things we want them to do. And we got to start young. So one of the best things we can do, guys, is, is through school. Now, I want to ask you guys a question. Or, or, not a question, but I want you guys to think about this scenario. As we go through and we start our early development days, think back to when you started in school. And I only got eight years in, but, you know, I'm sure most of you got more than that in. But I want you to think back to, like, earlier than that. I want you to think back to, like, kindergarten, preschool, you know, grade one, elementary school, those kind of years, okay? And it stays the same all the way through of the entire school system. And what happens is you think about it, you know, wherever you grew up. Some people grew up in town. Some people grew up in countries. Our bus ride was two hours, one direction. So we were four hours on the bus every single day. We lived way out in the bush. Some people walk to school, some drive. But regardless of, of how far away you are, think about whatever time you wake up in the morning. And I'm just going to give a basic example. Now, let's just assume for my grade eight math that school starts at nine and ends at 3.30. Okay, I know it starts earlier in a lot of places and things like that, but we're just going to do this as an example. So if you have to get up at seven o'clock, so think about it as a kid, you get up at seven o'clock as an example, okay? You wake up at seven, you you get out of bed, mom, dad, wake you up, guardian, whoever looked after you wakes you up, you get out of bed, you have your breakfast, right? You're eating your breakfast, kind of thing, you're rushing around, grabbing all your shit and you get into your bus, your car, your whatever, and, and, you, and you head to school. Okay, and you take your drive to school, your ride to school, your walk to school, whatever it might be. And we, we get in there and school starts at nine. So they make sure they drop us off. We got to get there at 15, 20 minutes early because we got to get to our locker. We got to put all our shit in our lockers and get our books and everything all ready, get our shoes on, get everything done. And then we got to get to class. Now you get into class, the bell rings at nine o'clock. You're in there, you're in your desk and you learn. And we sit there for a couple hours and we go through a couple blocks and we learn. And then usually around, you know, school starts at nine, usually around 10, 30, 11 o'clock. What do we get? A recess, oh, recess, right? We get a recess. So now we get a recess and we go for 15 minutes or so. And we, we might run out and play a little bit kind of thing. And, and, you know, we might eat a little snack. And then the bell rings. We run back, you know, thing. And we stayed in a class for another hour and a half, two hours. And usually around like 12, 1230. What happens next? Lunch. Lunch, right? We get a lunch break. So now we have a lunch break. And, you know, we run around for a half an hour, an hour, playing out there and we're doing our thing. And then we, you know, we come back in, the bell rings, we come back in and we go back to class and we sit there for another hour and a half or two hours. And then what do we get next? Recess. Another recess, right? So we run back over 15 minutes, we try to play, try to eat a snack kind of thing. When a bell rings, you run back to class and then, you know, we work for another hour, hour and a half and then what happens? Home time. Okay. Bell rings, we run around, we're scrambling, grabbing all our shit out of, the, out of the thing. We can't wait to get the hell out of here. You know, we're running to our bus or to our car, we're walking home, we're doing whatever we have to do. We come home, we're throwing our crap everywhere, we're trying to, you know, unwind from the day. We, we're eating supper, we're doing our thing, we might have a little bit of homework. And then really, we're, we're sitting down, maybe watching a little bit of TV or doing something quickly, playing a game, and we have to go to bed early because we got to get up and do this all the next day. Now, we do this routine over and over and over again for 12 or 13 years of our life almost every single day. We get weekends off. School, you know, school is Monday to Friday. Weekends off. Normally how it goes. So that programming is through the most acceptable time of our life. All of our learning years, the bulk of our learning is in those in those 12 years. So what ha what does that sound an awful lot like? What do you think that's preparing us for? So I want to paint another picture for you. You go and you get a job. Any job that you have, whatever you're doing. Now, typical normal jobs are eight hours a day, Monday to Friday, with weekends off. Why? It's interesting. Now, 
at normal jobs, some people start earlier, some later, but at normal jobs, let's just say, again, we're going to stay in the same thing. We're going to have a nine to nine to five type of job. Okay. So you get up in the morning, your alarm goes off, you hit your alarm, you get up, you're scrambling around, you're grabbing your shit, you're getting dressed, you're having your shower, whatever you're doing, you're, you're making breakfast, you're eating quickly, and then you're jumping onto the bus, into your car, walking, whatever you're doing, you're going to work, okay? You got to get to work at nine o'clock, you got to get there, you know, 20 minutes early, you got to get all your shit off and, you know, get you know, everything together, you know, put your coat away, get, you know, I mean, everybody has different jobs, some people at a mill got to get there a little bit sooner, you got coveralls, work boots, things to put on, whatever. And we get out there because at nine o'clock, basically, the bell, so to speak, rings and, and you start work. Now at work, we sit there for, you know, an hour, a couple hours. And then, you know, what happens after a couple hours? Coffee break. Coffee break. Coffee breaks are typically 15 minutes. So now we have our 15 minute coffee breaks. We run over, you know, make some phone calls, do some things, whatever, have a coffee. And then an imaginary bell rings. It's like, oh, time to get back to work. So your 15 minutes is up. You get back to work. Now you sit there for another hour and a half, two hours. And then what happens? You get your lunch break. You get a lunch break. And it's typically a half an hour to an hour, depending. And you run around. So you're doing the same thing. You're making some phone calls. You're eating your lunch. You're doing your thing, whatever else kind of thing. Guess what? Half an hour's up. Hour's up. Time to go back to work. So you go in there and you work for another hour, hour and a half, two hours. And then what do we get? Another coffee break. Another coffee break. 15 minutes as well. And we go through that whole entire process. Then we go back to work. You know, another hour, hour and a half, two hours by the end of the day, then it's home time, right? We run, we take all of our stuff off, we take everything off and, you know, we, we get back into our cars or we take the bus or walk or whatever. We go back home, we run home, we throw our shit everywhere. We're trying to get everything together. Now with, as adults, and if you're parents, you have so much more shit to do because now your kids are going through the same thing and you're scrambling around, you're trying to get all this shit figured out. And, and what basically starts happening is you start going through these exact same motions and then supper hits and we got to go after supper, we get everything done, we clean up, we kind of sit down, maybe do a little bit of work, you know, that we didn't get cut off for the day. And then we go to bed because we got to get up and do it all again the same day. Guys, typical jobs, is it's an actual carbon copy of what we go through in school. Now, yeah, okay, job, you know, eight hour schools, whatever, six and a half, seven kind of thing. So, but I mean, but realistically, it's the same exact process, the same days of the week. We, as kids, we would dread going to school Monday morning. As, as adults, we dread going to work Monday morning. We all get that Friday feeling. We're like, woo, we're out of here. We got the same damn feeling as a kid as we did as an adult. And then Saturdays are awesome. Now, Sundays are good to relax, but guess what happens on Sunday? We started getting that pit in our stomach again. Why? Because we got to go back to school or back to work. So really the last day, at least the last half of the day, it starts to suck. It's not even really a day off like that blows. So these are the things that happen. And these are things that we, that we realize are, you know, and once we realize that, it, that it's, it's programming, the entire school system isn't about the, the edgy. I mean, once you learn how to read and write and whatever, I mean, especially nowadays, guys, you want to know something. I mean, freaking Google it. What the hell are, are we in school for? Like, like just, let's just take a step back and, and, and get rid of that, that programming. And really, what the hell are we learning in grade eight, nine, 10, 11, and 12? I was only out of school for like three years. I don't remember half of it. Right? We're not learning shit. Once your basic skills are done, I mean, and yes, of course, if you want to go, if you know a specific field you want to go into, I mean, you want to be a doctor, you want to be a nurse, you want to be a lawyer, you want to, I mean, you know, early childhood development, whatever you want to be. Yes, there's definitely some tasks in going into learning those types of things. So I'm not necessarily saying that you'll never learn anything, but the basic high school shit doesn't teach you anything that you need to have to function in life. To survive. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, anything you want to know about social studies, science, you Google it. I mean, it's easy. That That's simple. Math, yeah, basic math skills. But I mean, do we need to know? I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, I always laugh. At, I think it was, uh, you know, Ron White does a joke. He's like, you know, he's helping his kid with his homework or Billingville, one of those guys. And they're like, 
when do they start putting letters in it? <laughs> like there's letters in math. And it's like, I, I, I'm looking at this and people are like pi r squared, you know, and I'm looking at this going like pi, <laughs> pi r round, pi r square, like whoever made a square pi, pi r round, pi r squared, what the hell, right? So it's like, and maybe that's just my great education, but it's like in my entire life, I've never used any of these skills. And, you know, when I went out roofing before I fell off the damn thing, I learned more. My old boss, Dale, taught me more about math on a roof in a half a day than I ever learned in my whole entire life. So these are the things. It's like, it's like you know, the math skills that they teach you that level, you don't need them. You'll, you'll probably never need it unless you're going into a field that requires that. But that's a very small percentage of people. So the information, once you go back past the basic learning really is just bullshit unless you're going into a specific field that that's going to help you in. So it's more about the process than the information. They give you 12 years of developing this routine. You go to school, and, and that's the big pitch, right? Oh, go to college. Why? Mm-hmm. Most people go to college don't even know what they want to do. This is what I mean. And how many times have people, I mean, the majority of people go through, they pay the money, they go into debt, and they don't end up even liking what they wanted to do. Or they get out of it, and they can't get a job in it. Exactly. They can't get a job in that field. So so that sucks. So it's it's about going through the motions of that teaching you not how to survive and succeed because when you get out there, we need you to fall flat on your ass and be dependent on society. Then we're going to throw you into debt. We're going to encourage you to go to, to, to more school to learn more stuff. And then we're going to put you into debt. We're going to throw you out there with no life skills and expect you to function. And what you're going to do is you're going to fall flat on your ass. And then you're going to look around and go, where's mommy and where's daddy? They're not here anymore. Someone needs to help me. Oh, hello, government that we're going to be dependent on other people, society that we're going to be dependent on. And we get into the situation where now we go get a job that doesn't even pay us enough to pay our debt off half the time. And now we have all this debt and all this shit that we have to pay and we're stuck and we're programmed to go to work every day and do this job and go through these motions, guys. So, so these are the things that we have to, to understand in jobs is a lot of this is programming and it's programmed us to not succeed. Now, let me go here. Think about the jobs you have now and where you're at. And, and this is the thing is, is I want to ask you guys a couple questions. One is, are you more ahead today? And I'll ask you, Eric, because you're sitting right here and I'll, I'll go this with you. Okay. Are you more in debt now? I mean, you're still a young guy, but at 21, are you more in debt now than you were when you first started entering into the workforce? Yes. Right. So how old were you when you really entered the workforce seriously? Seriously? 16? 16. Okay. Yeah. So at 16 years old, you enter the workforce. Yeah. 18 years old, you start to get your own place and start to get your life together. And you got your shit together pretty good for a young guy. But are you more in debt today than you were when you entered the workforce? And the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. Now, does that make any sense? No. Okay. So let me ask you, when, when, when you remember back to when we we're young and you remember you probably said at that point sat down with a list and you thought like man like i'm going to be loaded and yep. you, you figured out what your rent's going to be and your utilities are going to be and you're like man i'm going to make twice as much as that i'm going to have like 400 dollars left over at the end of the month i'm going to be rich and we have these dreams and these goals that we're going to be successful and be rich and 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 then, then when it happens i mean all these other things start to take over and all these skills that we don't have start to overwhelm us and we, we don't know how to manage money so we start blowing it mm-hmm. right we don't realize that we need to pay all our bills on time so all of a sudden our credit starts to get hit and all these things start to happen and then all of a sudden we're going more and more into debt and now we're like oh i got a job so i can afford to get a car i'm gonna make payments on that i'm gonna get a house i'm gonna make payments on that you know i'm gonna finance this and finance that and you know we're gonna get a credit card and all these things and it's like all of a sudden you realize like i'm not getting ahead i'm falling behind so 
it when you look at the whole thing and it's like how does this make any sense at all how does this is this what this is supposed to be and the question is the answer is yes it's exactly what it's supposed to be because in order for society to function in order for the two percent to get what they want they have to keep the 90 percent eight percent where they are so here's where i want to i guess maybe leave this topic you know with you guys is i want you to think of anybody that you know think of yourselves or anybody you know and and this is a thing where it's like be honest with yourself because if you're not gonna be honest with yourself then none of this is going to work. War Room's about a place for, for people who are looking for more, who are willing to, you know, put their shit aside, open up their minds and 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 really try to get ahead of things. Not for negative people like I used to be. And we'll get into that one day about where my mentality was early on. Um, but again, this comes from experience, right? So I want you to think about this. I want you to think about the people that you know who are retired. Okay? So just think about the people you know in your life, you know, parents, grandparents, uncle, aunt, whatever. I want you to think about how many people are retired. Now, get the, that list of people, one, two, 10, whatever it is, and put that in your head. Now I want you to think about, are they comfortably retired or are they like pension barely surviving retired? Meaning, were they almost forced to retire because of their age and, and because of their thing and, and they're focusing on a pension to stay, you know, to stay functioning? Or are they like, you know, rich, retired, well-off, okay? Because there's a big difference. So take the people who are just well-off, rich, retired. Now, how many of them do you know? And, and honestly, the amount of times I've done this, it's surprising how many people don't know anybody who's retired even, who is like not pension retired. So, so think about the people we know that are comfortably well-off retired. And now I want you to think about how old they are. Do we know anybody who's comfortably well-off retired in their 40s? No. Probably not. Do we know anybody who's comfortably well-off retired in their 50s? You know, 60s. Once we kind of get to 60, we get a few hands maybe kind of go up. You know, 70s, you get a few. And it's surprising how many people don't know anybody. And some know a few. But here's what I want you to think about. If we know people... Now, when I'm saying comfortably well-off retired, I'm, I'm thinking like these guys can travel when they want to travel. They might have a house here and a house there. They're able to do... They don't really have to budget as much. I mean, every, it's always good to budget, but they don't have to like, you know, really worry. They're not going to worry that the money's going to run out. They don't have to like maybe save up and take a trip every year or two kind of thing. I mean, they can just kind of do what they want to do when they want to do it and don't have to worry too much about it. So I want you to think about those retired people and how old they are. And now I want you to think about what they did in their lives to allow them to be retired because they didn't get there on a job, on a regular job. Now there are good jobs and there are, you know, not as good jobs, paying jobs. So there are the rare people that have jobs that are way up in like the, you know, that we're, we're huge up in the, you know, like insurance companies, banks, high up kind of thing. I mean, there's some superior jobs for sure where you can make very good money. Obviously, you know, doctors can make very good money and things like that. But I'm just talking about normal, regular ass jobs. It's interesting. We live in a, in, in Alberta. And I mean, it, it's historically always been an oil rich province. And up in the oil field, we have these guys making just astronomical amounts of money, but blowing astronomical amounts of money. It's crazy how many friends I have that make a hundred, two hundred thousand, two hundred and fifty, three hundred thousand dollars a year that still don't have a pot to piss in because we piss it away, we gamble it away, we spend it away. And then when the when the oil field crashes and people start getting laid off and losing their jobs, all of a sudden now they have, 
you know, these massive mortgages, massive truck payments, massive insurance payments, vehicle payments, like, you know, all the toys we bought, all the things, and all of a sudden we go, holy shit, we don't have the money now to pay for all this stuff. And and they crash and burn. And it happens, you know, so often and, and it's crazy. So what I want to to go back to is, is thinking about people who have regular, normal jobs. And do you know anybody who has a regular, normal job who is comfortably retired to the point of what they can do whatever they want to do and don't have to worry about money at all? And the answer is no. In all the years I've been doing this, Eric, I haven't had anybody say, yeah, I know someone like that. And you know the reason why? Because it's not possible. It's not. It's not mathematically possible. You don't get paid enough even throughout your life to be able to survive and pay your bills to even be able to have that much money. It's not even possible. So if you take, you know, whatever a salary is at 40, 50, 60, $80,000 a year. And when you do the math on that and, and you figure out after you pay your mortgage and your bills and your insurance and groceries and cost of living, you figure about what you, what you could have left. If you were the most frugal person on earth, if you could figure out just what, the, if you just had to pay the things you had to pay to live a half decent life, and I don't talk about being homeless, but like living in a decent house, having a decent vehicle, you know, reliable things, having a few things, an average life that we all want. Think about how much you have left making 40, 50, 60, 70, 80,000 a year. Now times that by 20, 30 years, it's not even enough to survive on. Even if you never spent money on anything, it's not even possible. So to tie this all together, we're going to listen to somebody who's a 98 percenter, who doesn't have a pot to piss and who's never constructed shit in their lives. When we have an opportunity to learn from somebody people who've succeeded in business, made money and made everything. And we're going to turn down the person who's made the money and we're going to listen to the person who hasn't. So when someone's trying to give you a real opportunity, and I understand there's a lot of bullshit opportunities out there, but when someone's trying to present you with a real opportunity, and I believe there's more opportunity now today than there ever has been. And you don't want to listen to that because somebody who doesn't have anything is going to tell you, no, don't do that. That's a scam or that's not real or that's, well, we'll go get a real job. Okay. Nobody who's had a normal job has ever made it out. So do you think you're going to be the first one? Like, is that where we are in our heads? We think I'm going to be the first guy, the first girl on a regular job who's going to make it. Guys, do the math on the job that you're doing, the money you're making, the money that's left over, and ask yourself if you can comfortably retire to the point that you want to retire at an age where you can still enjoy your life, and the answer is going to be no. You're not going to be the first one. You're not going to make it out alive. You're not going to be the one. No one has ever done it. It's not going to be you. So now we have to ask ourselves, and this is where it comes back down to trying to understand and make it make sense is what do we have to do now to to live on this level? Like, I don't I don't want to. You know, Jalen Kaczynski asked me years ago when I started in Rainbow and she said, how old are you going to be when you retire? And I was making 100, over like 100,000 a year. And I'm like 70, like everybody else. I mean, Freedom 55 is gone, guys. Like, I don't even know Freedom 60, Freedom 65. We're, we're Freedom 75, Freedom 80, like... And I'm like, yeah, 70, probably like everybody else. She's like, do you want to work as hard as you're working and put in the hours that you want to put in now until you're 70? I do not. So she's like, well, what if this is the one thing that changes your life? 
And those words, like, that just gave me chills because this was the one thing that changed my life. So what I want to leave you guys with and, and push you guys to the point is, is, is we need an opportunity. The people to go back that we know who are comfortably retired and who are living the lives that we want to live and retire the way we want, they did it on an opportunity. They owned a business. They had a side deal. And, you know, they were, they were farmers. Farming is a business. It's a tough business, but it's a business. Some people do very well in farming. Some people don't. But a lot of people, if, if you're a big farmer and you manage things correctly and you have a lot of faith, you can, you can do very well in farming. People who are business owners, they own trucking companies. They own hardware stores, grocery stores. People who, who had side businesses, who own businesses, who have opportunities like we have in Rainbow and we give to our people. You need something different than a regular job if you want to live at a higher level. And guys, this, this, the proof of this is all around you if you can be humble enough and to be smart enough to look around. One of the things that I've always been glad I've been at least somewhat blessed with is the ability to stop and take a look around and see things for what they actually are. So these are the things that we have to make sure that we can do and understand. So when you look around, you'll see that everything that I just talked about today is real and it's true. And as much as we maybe don't want to admit it, it, it's a real thing. So ask yourself how old you are. Ask yourself if you're farther in debt today than you were when you started at 16, 17, 18 year old working. And ask yourself if you've been at the job or working in the same, if you've been working for 10 years, are you that much farther ahead? If you've been working for 20 years, 30 years, if you've been in a job for 40 years, are you that much farther ahead? And if it hasn't, you know, we, we go through the, I remember when he's, even when I was at Shaw Pipe and I was like, I'm making good money, but I'm not saving any of it. And I remember thinking like, man, like, like the next 10 years are going to be better. How? How are they going to be better? I remember driving to work every single day thinking today it's going to get better. It's going to get better. Every single paycheck I got and it was gone. It's like next one's going to be better. Next one's going to be better. Guys, I was making the most money I could make. I was working all the hours I could possibly work. What the hell's going to change? And I, and I feel stupid in a way that I didn't catch on to that earlier on. I didn't change anything in my life. What was I expecting that was going to change? I was making the most money that I could make and I was make, working the most hours I could work. I couldn't make any more money, but I'm just driving to work every day just thinking it's going to get better. How is it going to get better if I don't do something about it? It's not going to get any better. So the bills are the bills and I make what I make and it is what it is. So if I wanted to get ahead, you know, I either have to downsize my life dramatically, which I should have done, but it still wouldn't have made the big difference or I need to find a way to make more money. And when we think about making more money, what do we do? Oh, we got to get another job, right? It's not working the first time. Let's pile another one on there and see how much better life's going to get. Don't find a second job. Find a better freaking opportunity. Find a way to make some money. You got to get into business, you guys. If you you, you got to get an opportunity if you want to live at a higher level. If you want to be debt-free and you want to retire with some sort of comfort, you have to get yourself into something where you can make more money in less time at your own pace. And it's a beautiful thing that we offer in Rainbow. And Rainbow got me off the clock. It got me away from that, that 9 to 5, 7 to 6 bullshit living, building somebody else's dream, living somebody else's, you know, life and opportunity it got me away from that and pulled me into a situation where I could live life on my own terms, work when I want to work as hard as I want to work, 
and to do the things that I want to do in my life. And I'm forever blessed and forever grateful for the opportunity, but I made the best out of that opportunity. Jaylene put a door in front of me. I could have just knocked on that door. I could have like went up to the door and just kind of tapped on it a little bit. Like I could have maybe just turned the door handle to see if it was locked. Could have like maybe just cracked it open a little tiny bit to see what's on the other side. I could have felt the door. Is it hot over there on the other side? I don't know. There's a lot of these things I could have done, but I decided I was going to kick the freaking thing right off its hinges and charge through it full bore and make the most out of this. And I wasn't going to go back. When you see the product that we have, and the part that everybody in the world needs, come on. So when you have a good product and you have a good, real, true opportunity, grab onto that and never let it go. It ain't easy. It ain't easy being successful, but it ain't easy being broke. So it's hard to be successful. It's hard to be broke. You got to choose your hard. And that's episode two. Thank you guys.